Well, the NAB business survey yesterday, we look at the good and the bad. The good is certainly a reduction in costs, but how far will that reassure the RBA? The survey on credit conditions of US banks is out. Conditions are getting tighter. But what do we do with that information? And more weakness in Germany. They're selling less cars, but the ECB is still talking up rates. But really, today, it's just the day before the US CPI. Tomorrow, it's Tuesday, the 9th of May, 2023. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. And we'll have a look at the uh, the budget as well tonight in Australia and what that means, if anything, for the RBA. But we start the day with another small rise in the US dollar, a small fall in the euro and the pound. But the Aussie dollar is up half percent, over 67.8 US cents now. Bond yields are a little higher, up eight basis points for 10-year treasuries. Just a few across much of Europe. But Aussie 10 years yesterday, up eight basis points to 3.39%. Up another six basis points on top of that on futures overnight. Much more caution in the US equity markets. The Dow down 0.2%. The S&P is marginally up. The Nasdaq just 0.2% higher. No big moves in Europe either. In fact, a 0.2% rise in the Euro stocks 50. The FTSE 100 closed for the Coronation Day public holiday. And in the US, real estate is the sector hit the hardest. Communications, financials and consumer discretionary are all in the green. And big rises in oil this morning. WTI is up 2.1%. Brent up 1.8%, around 76.60 a barrel now. Of course, less than a month ago, it was $10 more than that. So, so uh, even though it's rising a bit, still got a long way to go back to where it was. But let's look at uh, Aussie bond yields, first of all. Why are they rising so much? I mean, it's just today. Here's NAB's Rodrigo Cotrill. I'm just wondering how much of this, obviously, there's international moves, but how much of this is the strength of the business conditions in the NAB business survey yesterday, showing a, an economy that is, at the very least, resilient? Uh, and uh, and is there some reaction to how that might be interpreted by the RBA? Um, morning, Phil. Yeah, um, uh, it's probably worth highlighting as well that U.S. Treasury yields have been rising during our Asia time, so that's been supportive for a move up in, in yields across the board. Um, but the, yes, the, the NAB survey uh, revealed, um, I suppose from a, from the inflation perspective, the, the, the good news there is that we saw um, a gradual but yet still positive ease in terms of those inflationary pressures. Um, those inflationary pressures are still elevated, but they're they're heading in the right direction, and and, and that's that's encouraging. We also saw uh, the conditions continue to ease in April, uh, but again, still remain very elevated. So there's a sort of theme here of that the economy is starting to maybe show a little bit of a slowdown, but it's still performing at a, a very good level. Um, and particularly in terms of those price pressures, uh, we also continue to see that ease in pressures, which I think from, from the RBA perspective, you know, the RBA has already kind of called the peak, if you like, on inflation. Um, the big question is now, uh, is inflation or are those inflationary pressures going to ease as quickly as the RBA expects? Um, and, and, and whether we're going to see that stickiness that is, is starting to arise in, in other economies as well, which will play to the view that maybe it's going to take a little bit longer. Uh, and will also require the RBA to do a little bit more work in terms of tightening policy. Well, you say prices are down. So retail prices are down, aren't they? The final product prices are down. Purchase costs bumped up a little in April. So that means a bit of a margin squeeze, doesn't it? Which companies don't do unless they feel like they have to. So that's sort of, I mean, I might be putting two and two together and getting 10 there, but does that mean that uh, com- <laughs> companies are sort of a bit fearful about future demand? Yeah, or, or even the ability to pass on the, those costs as well. So it's a very marginal number change. Uh, so I wouldn't kind of overplay it, but certainly if you, you know, this is certain trend there and 
Um, and in the past, what the survey was showing is that companies were, have been able to, to pass on those costs. So maybe that ability is diminishing a little bit um, in, in the last survey. So the strength in the Aussie dollar, nothing to do with the fact there's an expectation that the RBA is going to go further and so you're going to get higher yields out of, out of Aussie bonds. Is there something else at play? Because, I mean, that I mean, that would be one argument, but that wouldn't explain why actually the Kiwi dollar is actually up even more. It's up 0.9% this morning against a rising US dollar. Yeah. Um, my, my general sense here is that there's, uh, there, there's been a bit of a follow-up in terms of that improvement in risk sentiment that we saw in the equity market on Friday, uh, whilst at the same time the move up in in uh, in oil again is reflective of of that perception that maybe uh, the slowdown in the economy or that imminent uh, credit crunch that is coming or that is expected to come in the U.S. is is not going to be as bad as expected. Um, so again, in terms of the slowdown and the demand for commodities. That has been supportive for um, for you know commodity linked currencies such as the Aussie and, and the Kiwi. Right. Okay. So the budget tonight, uh, a bit of a big windfall for for Jim Chalmers, a four billion dollar surplus. Uh, they're giving three billion uh, as relief to power bills, and obviously much more in terms of the the assistance package. Are there any uh, consequences for that for the RBA in terms of what they do? I guess if they're spending quite a bit, if they're putting more money into people's pockets, then there's always the danger, however, however important it is that they do that, that that could be inflationary in itself, isn't there? Yeah. Uh, so so the cost of living package, which includes that uh, relief in terms of the energies, is in total is around $14.5 billion over four years. Um, so it does add like 0.2% of GDP in terms of, you know, from the expenditure side. So it's not a huge number. Uh, so it needs to be put in perspective. And the other is that it's actually... You know, from an inflationary perspective, you think about that relief that it produces to or that it gives to uh, the cost of, you know, paying for energy, um, it's, it, it lowers inflation uh, from the headline perspective. So overall, we, we don't see it as a, as a massive issue in terms of having, um, you know, inflationary pressures. Um, we think also that the RBA would have accounted for, for this. Uh, given that many of these measures had been announced uh, in, in advance. Um, so the RBA would have had a good idea of, of more or less what it would look like. So overall, our sense is that it's not really going to change too much uh, the thinking of the RBA. Um, uh, but certainly in terms of the, the good news is that there's a surplus this year. Uh, um, but it's, it's worth remembering that from a structural perspective, uh, those pressures uh, do play to the idea that a deficit will come back uh, next year and the year after as well. Surely it's a question of accounting, isn't it, as to what the impact of, you know, when you're subsidising energy. So if you if you give people a slug of money and say, here you are, spend this on your energy bills, then that's not going to be uh, deflationary. But if you if you tell the energy companies, here's $3 billion, uh, knock your prices down, that is going to bring down prices. So it's the same amount of money different consequences in it's just an accounting question isn't it it is but also that's right in how you measure inflation because yeah. arguably as well you would say well uh, you're providing a relief and therefore uh, um, you know prior you know the consumer will actually have the, the consumer will also have this money now to spend which could be inflationary uh, and similarly there, there are also multiple effects because even the minimum wage uh, that is going to set the following year uh, will likely be set because of inflation being a little bit lower than otherwise so uh, but overall in terms of the numbers it's not a huge number but but you're quite right it is it is a sort of a bit of an accounting effect I wish I hadn't asked that question we could write a textbook on this couldn't we uh, look let's uh, retail sales <laughs> for Australia today as well they are expected to fall if it doesn't uh, then that's pressure for the RBA so let's hope that they do yeah this is a Q1 retail volumes number um, so 
because the, the nominal figure was flat for the quarter and we've obviously have had inflation, uh, there's expectations to, to a 0.5 decline based on uh, Taylor's calculations of the deflator there. Uh, but certainly the idea is there will be a little bit of a negative impact there, which is really reflecting that move away from that goods consumption. Um, and it's the services side that we need to keep an eye on in terms of how much uh, pressure or support for the economy uh, it gave during Q1. Right, we also get the uh, the Westpac Consumer Confidence Read this morning, which has been choppy, hasn't it? It means up and down, really. But April uh, was the highest since last June, but 85.3, still well below 100. Um, so not an optimistic outlook, but we'll see what that brings today. But look, the uh, the US Senior Loan Officers Survey, uh, I've been struggling to actually understand uh, a lot of it, uh, but but the best way I've found actually is to look at the graphs in the Fred blog in the St. Louis Fed, because there's a graph there showing, including these latest figures, uh, how tightening standards are matched on uh, the decline on business loans. So clearly it's happening. It's when you look at that graph and you see, well, it's very easy to understand why the FOMC would say, well, if there's a tightening of credit, then, you know, the job's being done in part for us because uh, it's as clear as day in that graph. Yeah. And uh, well, this idea of tightening conditions is, is not just because of what's happened recently in terms of the bank's uh, concerns. But also because of the Fed has been tightening for quite some time now. So uh, it is a consequence of that. Um, the, the major takeaway from here is in terms of the latest um, survey is that we haven't seen a, a huge credit crunch coming because of this crisis that, of, of the regional banks. Uh, so that's, if you like, a good news. Um, uh, also, what we've seen is that there's been a gradual further tightening in conditions. And, and But importantly, too, we've also seen a decline in demand for commercial and industrial loans in, in Q1. So it's a combination of two things. Is that a good things. thing? Um, I, would, I would have thought we'd, we'd want a, a decline in consumer demand, but a, a decline in business demand. Don't we want businesses to be borrowing and growing so that they can increase supply so that the you know that that supply demand imbalance corrects itself well, what we do want is is a slowdown in the economy uh, to ease those inflationary pressures and i think that that's the priority for for the fed at the moment um uh, so and and to me the other important thing is that is, is at the moment is, is is gradual so we were not seeing a collapse in the economy uh you know so this idea that a recession is coming imminently uh, the survey is not quite suggesting that. So uh, it's more like a continuation of this gradual tightening that we've seen. Uh, uh, and therefore, uh, the economy looks set to slow down. Uh, but at the moment, it doesn't look that there's an imminent recession coming either. So so that's uh, kind of good news, if you like. And the New York Fed's Consumer Inflation Expectations Survey for April uh, the one-year expected rate, that's down slightly, 4.4% uh, down from 4.7%, which was the expected number given in, in, in March. I guess that is because of this bank credit tightening. That would be a chunk of that, wouldn't it? Yeah, that could have played a part in that. Uh, also, what is important to know that the inflation expectations for three years actually rose a little bit to 289 from 2.78. So it's still below that 3% level. Uh, but certainly no major changes in terms of the medium-term inflation expectations. Um, importantly as well, the, the, the survey also revealed the expectations for house prices uh, and there's expectations for, for that to rise 252 uh, from 1.84. Um, in, in, so there's a gradual increase in terms of expectations for, for house prices, which again, it's inflationary um, and um, and place the idea that for now the consumer is still kind of a little bit kind of confident, if you like, in terms of the housing market. Um, and that I, overall gives you the, the sense that 
you know, uh, the, the labor market is still uh, quite robust and um, the, there's rising demand for housing. And therefore, um, you know, this, this idea of a, of a quick slowdown of the economy is not quite yet also being reflected in the yeah, survey. So does the Fed need to do that much more? Uh, it's or looking stay, more, more like- stay at elevated levels for longer rather than, y- you know, rate yeah. cuts by the end of the year. So uh, weakness in Europe, we saw uh, German industrial production down 3.4% month on month in March. That's the biggest drop actually since last March, well below expectations. Car manufacturing was a was a chunk of that. I'm not sure why. I mean, supply chain problems are unwinding. The cost of fuels come down. Is it because perhaps people can't afford to buy cars? Maybe it's, it's demand, which would be a sign of a, you know, a downturn to come. Well, that that's one sort of rising theme in terms of, you know, if you think Germany being the growth engine of Europe, um, it started the year very, very strongly in uh, January and February. And now we've seen a bit of a slump uh, in, in March. Um, you know, the car industry is not just about selling cars to Germany. It's, it's obviously, it's about the global demand. Uh, so that's an important theme. Maybe it's a bit of a reflection of uh, of a slowdown in terms of that reopening boom that we've seen in, in China. Uh, but certainly it's an emerging theme of a bit of, bit of weakness in activity uh, in Germany, uh, which is something that we need to keep a close eye on in terms of seeing how, whether it continues or exacerbates in, in Q2. Well, we'll see the China trade numbers today, won't we? So we'll see, because of course imports were showing negative growth last time, even though we saw a big pickup in exports. In fact, exports last time, 14.8% up. But uh, as I say, a negative number for uh, for imports. So I wonder if we'll see imports back into positive territory this time. Yeah, expectations are for almost like uh, not quite positive, but uh, less less negative, almost close to zero. Um, and export growth is expected to ease again to, to 8% from that 14% number that, that you mentioned. And overall, the, the trade surplus it's also expected to to decline uh, from the 80 billion to somewhere in the 70 billion. Um, so certainly a bit of a the continuation of that theme that um, that exports for China are slowing and it's a reflection of a slowdown in global demand. And Japan, uh, how is it working out for the Bank of Japan? I mean, household spending numbers are out today and cash earnings last time, earnings up, household spending down. I mean, that surely demonstrates a, a cautious attitude. People are trying to catch up. Yes, and, and I think the details there will be important because so what we're seeing in Japan um, is that the services sector is, is, is booming. Tourism is booming, uh, and we've seen increasing wages on, on that side of the economy. Uh, but, of course, the manufacturing sector is the one that is struggling, uh, as it is in other parts of the world. So um, the, the hope, if, if you like, from the, from the BOJ perspective is that we see we may see a little bit of a trickle down effect from higher wages on the services side uh, that is, you know, hopefully having a broader impact in terms of the, the whole economy. But uh, overall, there's a little bit of an uptick in the nominal increase in, in earnings. Uh, but once you put inflation into it, uh, real wages are still negative in, in Japan. Right. And the uh, the US NFIB, the Small Business Survey is out tonight. Uh, and some central bank speakers as well from uh, the ECB and uh, from the Fed. Some re- Retail numbers for the UK as well, not the official ones, but the, the retail consortium numbers are out as well. Uh, but look, you know, it's uh, a bit of a quiet day today because it's all, well, tomorrow, inflation, 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 the big number for the United States. So we'll see how that uh uh, how that shakes out, but that is the big number of the week, isn't that it? That is the big number of the week, and if anything, the other sort of theme, if you like, as you mentioned, is is those uh, central bank speakers, particularly coming from from uh, from Europe, 
Uh, we had uh, the chief economist Lane speaking last night and again reiterating that inflation in the eurozone still has a lot of momentum, uh, although it's moderating and therefore there's still a bit more work to be done. Uh, and I think that that's the theme that the market is trying to get a sense um, <clears throat> in terms of what to expect from the ECB from here. Uh, there's a lot of talk of potential pause in the US, whereas in, in Europe, you know, there's still a little bit more work. Another 25 basis points uh, looks like a good bet. But the question is, will they go further than that? Uh, and what the ECB speakers say this week uh, could give us a bit more color on, on that narrative. Right. Well, we'll be listening carefully. Uh, well, you don't need to listen, of course, because you can just listen to us tomorrow. We'll tell you what we said. <laughs> I will do. Uh, catch you soon, Rodrigo. Cheers, Phil. I didn't mean he didn't have to listen. I meant you, the listener, doesn't have to listen because we'll give it all to you. Tomorrow morning, I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. Back then, thanks for listening.